Hello and welcome to Tales from the Engine Room, where we meet the people who make up the skiff, a co-working community in central Brighton. We may be invited to compete in a pitch process, but in, in that case we try to disrupt it a little bit and bring it back to, well, what's actually needed here? I'm Caroline Bevan, I'm a digital storyteller, and I'm a member at the Skiff too. Across this series of interviews, we'll meet freelancers, remote workers, solopreneurs and small team leaders, asking the question, what are you working on today? This week, we meet Kelly Smith, a partner at the innovative agency Neo, who are taking creativity to a whole new level. A Monday is a trying to gently re-immerse myself into the projects, unless I've got a particular deadline and then it's very much focusing all my time on that project. Today, yeah, it's been going between between projects. Kind of checking in on everything. Checking in on good. the team, looking at, yeah, what needs to be done, responding to a proposal opportunity for a new project, which right. is always exciting. And it's always something that we have to squeeze in between working on current client projects. So that's that's quite challenging. Actually, I'm the same as you. I'd love to be able to dedicate a whole day to putting in a proposal. But you almost go, oh, well, let's just get it into mm. in between other things. Because obviously you need to keep the plate spinning, don't you? And trying to keep all those different levels of work. So the work you're working on now and the work you want to be doing in yeah. months' time. It's how do you manage all of that in your in your heads when you're running your your agency? I think I'm a natural organizer, but I over-organize as well. And one of my pitfalls is to be too optimistic about what I can fit into a day in a week. And my calendar, my Apple calendar, is just full of blocks of things that I end up pushing on to the next week, which I'm sure sounds familiar to many skiff mates. <laughs> so so do, do you block time to do a task or is it just events involving other people or is it all kinds of... I do, yeah. And often I don't even need to block that time. It's it's a kind of... It's almost a manifestation of self-doubt because I know what I've got to do. I have a notebook as well. I like to use pencil and paper, but somehow I've got into this habit of filling my calendar with, with stuff. Hmm. I'm, a, I'm a prolific an obsessive note taker and I've got notes everywhere. I've got Miro I've got Evernote I've got yeah so that's something I could yeah it's turning into a bit of a what could I do better <laughs> workshop here but I've been on I think a similar journey to you where I still I have Miro and Evernote and Notion and it's one I'm paying for all these tools which is ridiculous and I still also have a moleskin and a pen and that's the one thing that never lets me down it's the anchor isn't it it's more instinctive but it doesn't, you can't find things as easily, I guess. What, and what I'm looking for is something that can just bring everything together in one platform. And I'm, look, I'm hoping that a developer hears this and comes up with something because we, we're always looking for a really collaborative, agile, agile to use that overused term in the sense that is really creative and adaptable for us as a, as a creative team. Yeah. Um, something that allows us to bring together things like Slack into a space that's expandable to working with other people on the outside, our mm. our client partners, where we can use timelines and shared goals and things like that, but without it feeling too prescriptive, which is very much what um, project management tools feel like. They're not, and they're just not flexible enough. So you mentioned teams and clients. So let's fall, first of all find out about your, your team. So you, you have a, a small team. Tell us how that works. Are they here at the SCIF with you? How does, it, how does it all work and how do you all work together? So my team, uh, we're a, a creative agency called Neo, based in Brighton, 
but since but over the past say 10 years and especially during the pandemic we became a little bit more spread out in the UK so the founding director Nick he's in Wales he set up um, a small holding because he wanted to he wanted to kind of see what the country life would bring. So he wow. used to live in Brighton. So he's there. Um, How's one he of finding our, it? He tried a flock of sheep and it was, seemed like too much hard work. Right. So you just have one <laughs> sheep. Imagine you just have one sheep now, a lot easier to Just to one sheep, yeah. He had some chickens, but they got eaten by foxes. Oh. It's been a learning process, but he has got some really cool permaculture stuff going on there. Hmm. And um, yeah, and it's a completely different way of life. So, yeah, and so I'm based here and so are some of our design team as well we definitely use the skiff as a base because during the pandemic we lost our studio we had to give our studio up we had a really nice space over at Beaconsfield workshops which is around oh the Preston God. Circus area nice. it's kind of hidden away but there's really there's a really eclectic bunch of small businesses and creatives there everything from photography to illustration to mechanics wow. <laughs> going on there but it, it was quite a big space and represented a, a large overhead for us mm -hmm. we did have a co-working space there of our own we created that nice. again it just became a bit too much yeah. during the pandemic so yeah. the context is that I was already working at the skiff when I moved to Brighton about 10 years ago I was freelance but also a consultant attached to a digital agency mm -hmm. in the Midlands that I'd helped to, to build and what were you doing what was your particular role in, in... It was a, like a head of content um, so I had before that I had a background in journalism and communications and a bit of brand and I kind of brought all that into the digital space right. when that was really taking off. Yeah. But it felt like, you know, with my move to Brighton, I was I was feeling like I was moving into a different workspace. I wanted a different working environment where I was working on projects with more purpose, socially, environmentally. I began to feel like I was untethering from this digital agency in the Midlands. And mm. I wanted my work life to reflect my personal life. I wanted that to align more. I wanted to feel like um, I was working with more like minds and people with whom I could share similar worldview. I wanted that creative excitement that I could feel bristling about Brighton. Yeah. I loved it. So what came first, the, the need or the want to change the way you worked and the people you worked with or the move to Brighton? Or was it I think Chicken it was, egg well, it, Brighton was a catalyst, definitely. Okay. Brighton was a catalyst. It kind of pulled me away from where I needed to be pulled away from, if you know what I mean, yeah. um, and introduced me to new relationships. And the skiff was a big part of that, I think. Um, I found in the skiff a very non-traditional, non-commercial space where people didn't really put profit first. They were thinking about, you know, the whether it was the purpose of what they were doing and bringing innovation to, to, to an industry or purpose in terms of having a real social and, or environmental cause to the work. Yeah. Um, so that did help. And I was also looking outside and just trying to meet up with people. And someone recommended me to Neo, to this agency that seemed like a true pioneer in the in the creative space so a brand and communications agency but who worked solely with charities not-for-profits environmental mm -hmm. businesses um and they were also one of the first b corps um nice. b corp is for anyone who doesn't know like a it's like a kind of fair trade membership or mark for any kind of business mm -hmm. um where you have to identify and live by certain um measures of impact so 
yeah. reducing your impact on the environment, having a really positive impact on 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 things socially as well in in the community, yeah. for example. So so I just felt really drawn to this, and I, I met up with Nick, um, who was, and, and they were a, a period of transition and looking to to bring new people in, and um, it was just a case of really good timing. And so I became a partner. Um, I was very resistant to the idea of employment at first because I was a staunch freelance. <laughs> I felt really quite anxious about that, like I was giving something up that was mm. that seemed, you know, felt very important to me. Mm. But in the end, I realised that I wasn't, I didn't need to give anything up. I could gain and I could share in an idea of what it is to work together nice. and co-create that. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do. That's we're trying to do that with our team so that, you know, we share decision making we share what we see as an evolutionary purpose of what we're doing and and I think that's the way forward really and that's that's a big part of our work imagine for people coming in to work for neo that must be obviously they're made aware of it when they start but that's quite a culture shift you know normally there's hierarchies are still very defined in most agencies and it sounds like this is just throwing all that out out the window in a good way <laughs> it is yeah it's it can be a really good creative catalyst i think to to help sharpen the initiative of any of, of people at any level, whether they're just starting out, whether they're later in life trying to model good leadership to, to everyone else. It's it's a it's a shared responsibility. It's it's being able to have difficult conversations, to um, bring your voice to the table without feeling like you're going to be judged. So it's about rethinking leadership. Is leadership a few people making all the decisions based on what they think they hear people want? Or is it a case of everyone feeling like they can lead in a particular space and bring a particular kind of expertise, experience, or even for someone inexperienced, a completely fresh perspective, a creativity to something? So how do you encourage you know, the new people who come in, or the people who are more inexperienced perhaps, or less experienced, rather. Um, how do you encourage those and, and make everyone feel safe enough to be able to say what they what they need to or what they want to in meetings? Is that just they just realise through time? Or how do you, how do you encourage that that spirit that you've got? I think the first thing is being transparent about how we want to organise and facilitate the business together. Mm -hmm. So we we're calling it an evolution towards uh, self organisation or co organisation. So yes, there is a natural hierarchy in terms of experience, mm. and um, I guess most of the responsibility for the business lies on um, my business partner and me. But at the same time, we're trying to bit by bit sort of share that responsibility. So it's about asking questions. It's about inviting people to participate. It's modelling that. It's being brave, bringing our whole selves, just being very open and showing that others can do that as well and and making mistakes and 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 owning those yeah. owning our feelings as well having emotional check-ins before we you know start talking about work right. is something that we do we have you know facilitated sessions quite regularly on what's coming up for us what's been difficult in a in a meeting with a, with a client uh, in a in a client relationship in a project and the issues are usually human human they mm -hmm. and so we provide that space for those for those to surface really and we ask the right kind of you know coaching style questions for people to feel like they're driving their input 
they're not answering a question that has to be the right answer. They're they're bringing something um, that will be, you know, invited and not judged. Yeah. So I think that's how we're creating that that I'm, safe space, which is I think it is more conducive to to creativity because people can see they can make a mistake within that safe space. Mm. Um, and when it comes to the quality of client work, well, that's that's a case of understanding what the implications are of making a mistake. So it's it's not like we just open the whole thing out and everyone just, you know, we invite chaos. <laughs> it's more about, um, yeah, understanding what the parameters are and how we can learn and share our learning and then translate that into really good work. I imagine from trying to run a company like this, is that just a whole lot of extra work that is, you know, I imagine there's people who are in agencies listening to this now and going, how do you have the time to not only run a business, which is difficult, and bring client work in and liaise with clients because we clients are the hardest part of running any business, but also making checking in with everyone within the company itself. It suddenly feels very, it feels quite complicated and quite a lot, a lot on your plate. As a small team, it doesn't feel overwhelming. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, sometimes it feels like an extra task, but actually what's going to be more time consuming in the long run? Someone feeling like they have a bit of autonomy in decision making and being able to share those tasks and hold those tasks in the head. It's not just about doing the work, it's holding something. When you feel like you're holding a lot in a business, it's difficult to focus then on on one thing. Mm. If the team share that responsibility, then that's going to save you time because you can trust them and know that they'll they'll be holding that piece of work. Yes. So it's a case of so what's going to take longer creating that environment or wh where people take the initiative, or constantly having to check up on people and check their work and sure. uh, you know write briefs for absolutely everything yeah. or or do we have that more collaborative? And I think the more collaborative approach may take more time to invest in it we you know you have to create the right conditions for that but we see it as being worthwhile in the long term and i think the bigger the organization the less complicated it, that or, it needs to be so i think that in, introduces this way this self-organization model introduces a simplicity and actually breaks down a lot of the uh, the convolutedness of hierarchy, some of that bureaucracy that I think you see a lot maybe in, um, we well, see it across the board, but perhaps especially in public services where you feel like, hmm, is that, you know, do we need 100 roles for this particular area and how much money is being spent here, there and everywhere? Are people being very protective of their roles and are they losing sight of the bigger picture of, of the purpose of that organisation and and, and things can become very divided and uh, detached from the core and siloed. Uh, so, yeah, we, we see there's a lot of benefit in it, but it is it does feel maybe quite left field and um, a bit scary uh, when traditional ways of working are so ingrained and we've mm. been conditioned to work in a certain way and, and to, to look for that, you know, singular leader is going to make everything okay. And that's what, just a myth, really. That's almost a security, isn't it? You know that there's somebody above you in the hierarchy that will make everything okay. <laughs> and secure your job. <laughs> absolutely. When actually, absolutely. I think experiencing the freelance life taught me 
that 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 you have to really take responsibility in whatever role you take and and being part of a team you share that it just seems natural that you share that responsibility no matter how experienced you are so in terms of the projects that we bring in we do try to you know we we talk about it a lot we talk about what we want to work on what we've learned from previous projects mm-hmm. what opportunities are there coming up where we can have some really good conversations and start to build some new relationships wow. rather than follow the old pitch process mm. which we don't believe in which we don't believe is the best basis to start a a project mm-hmm. um you know impressing with ideas that may not be grounded in good insight and getting under the skin of an organization and understanding the problems and building that trust to, to be open and for insights to emerge creatively and naturally and that so that's what we try to do and it's it's an uphill struggle you know yeah. so organizations so... look for that certainty of idea yes and we're saying well no we want to we want to follow a you know we want to bring our explorative investigative process where we listen where we research we we build a picture of the landscape um, and then we start to look at recommendations on creative ideas and communication strategy and strategy for internal culture and things like that is is it that you don't do pictures at all or the nature of your pictures is much more this is the process that we bring this is not what we're going to do for you so you're still obviously you're still going yeah. to pitch meetings but you'll say you're getting us as as you know this process and we'll work out the best result for you yeah often yeah we may be invited to put forward a proposal or to we may be invited to compete in a pitch process but in in that case we try to disrupt it a little bit and bring it back to well what's actually needed here and you feel like, you know, there are some, and we try to ask useful questions that maybe shine a light on some of those needs and maybe some of the gaps, because we never start with the brief. We start with part of the brief. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we, we like to work with the organization to really unpack it and, and then rebuild it together as something that's mm-hmm. actually going to answer their, answer the problem and, you know, help them achieve the best possible impact from us that's fascinating do you love it yeah I do it is quite challenging because not everyone's convinced that that's you know it takes a leap of faith to to work mm. in that way to to let go of um maybe older ways of old ways of working it's very Brighton um, <laughs> <laughs> it is I think it's one of the exciting things about about this city is the the ideas and the people and it's no surprise that you know an agency like this was was birthed in this city because it's a creative, interesting place. But I guess your clients are not just in Brighton, they're further afield, right? Yeah. Um, it's usual for us to be working on a, a range of projects with different client partners mm-hmm. locally as well as globally. So um, just to give you an idea, in the last year or so, we've worked with uh, a really forward-thinking homelessness charity in London um, where we helped them to um, rename, reposition, reshape their culture around helping each person, helping to solve homelessness one person at a time. So helping to um, provide a kind of space to grow and a space to um, build that self-belief again to to then re-enter society. So it's, it's quite a sustainable solution. And then so there's a uh, another charity that we're working with at the moment which is really interesting they harness the relationship between 
humans and dogs to enable people to make their lives, their everyday lives possible. It's quite, maybe it has its roots in guide dogs, but it's very different. It's very progressive. Um, it's kind of completely changing how people see dogs yeah. and, you know, elevating them as part of a partnership rather than a tool or, or a pet. Mm -hmm. So that's really exciting. Wow. We also work with uh, brands in the commercial space, but who are very centred on sustainability mm -hmm. or our social enterprises. We've just finished a collection of microfilms for the South Downs National Park. Started off as a what was meant to be a three-month project, and that was in January 2020, I think, a couple of months before the coronavirus yeah. hit us. Yeah. And so that really stretched it out to what has been two years of filming in different locations around the South Downs recording people's stories. So people who've got really interesting connections and relationships with the landscape. They might be working on it, they might be living in it, might be going to school there. Right. And so it's been a, a kind of unearthing of what the South Downs is really about, but to lots of different people and to as diverse a, a group of people as possible. Yeah. One of the ambitions is to shift the view that it's a white middle-class domain. Mm -hmm playground yep. for for privileged people and to show that it's really a living landscape and not a, a national park that's kind of untouchable and where people don't live and work because mm. that's really exciting that's hopefully coming to conclusion um in the next month or so and wow. we hope that there's going to be some kind of screening at least locally mm. where we can share this this work that feels you know, it, it's become a lot bigger. It's a lot bigger than a, a campaign or a project. It, it feels like it's taken on a life of its own, which is one of our favourite kinds of projects. <laughs> so how about uh, you personally on your journey? So you were, we, you touched briefly on the fact that you used to be a freelancer and you were back when in journalism as well. Now you're with Neo. What about future? Do you see for you personally this being a sustainable role? Is it something that you'd like to keep doing for as long as possible? Or do you have an itch to scratch somewhere else? Is it something that you'd like to go and <laughs> do something for yourself? I think always there's, there is a creative itch there. And I think that could be around writing. Um, I like to write poetry. I have an ambition to, to write a book one day, although you know I never get around to really starting it. And that will demand some headspace and just some freedom away from um, projects. What we'd like to do is kind of work towards having a four-day week. It feels like we got there during the pandemic and um, at least for the rest of the team, maybe not for me and uh, Nick, um, that could be one of the keys to freeing up a bit more time. Again, I need to break away from my overly optimistic approach to my diary where I think that Oh, the weekend is much bigger than it is and there'll be plenty of time then for, for writing and mm -hmm. meeting up with people and doing all the household jobs. Of course there isn't, and time to rest. Yeah. And I think what I'm getting wrong is is the idea that that creative time has to be spent doing when it could just be being, just taking in something fresh, seeing some art, listening to some podcasts, walking around in the countryside. Feeding your creative Wandering well. about with the camera. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's the feeding part that, yeah, I think I could do better. I think the team could do a bit more of that. And that's maybe one of the pitfalls of working remotely is that, that the focus on the work becomes even tighter mm. when you're not in person. And we try to spend as much in-person time together as we can. 
but we need to break out of this tendency to, or my tendency at least, to to squeeze too much in and just allow for that space, allow for that discomfort I feel when there's space and, and perhaps not a clearly defined purpose for that space and time. I have three quick fire questions just to wrap things up, if that's okay for you. What was for lunch today? Uh, sometimes <laughs> I'm terrible and lunch isn't until 4pm. Uh, today I had just a sandwich. Okay. Homemade or bought from one of Brighton's many cafes? Bought from one of Brighton's many cafes. Which is your cafe of choice? Um, Coffee 33 is my favourite. It's just on our doorstep mm-hmm. here, run Coffee. by a couple of great guys from Italy and Ukraine and they do it sounds like an ad for them doesn't it <laughs> but they do an amazing coffee and a and a great toasted sandwich so coffee 33 is your your cafe of choice nice if you if you didn't live in Hove where would you live anywhere because remote obviously we can all work remote nowadays where would you live Whew, it would have to be abroad I think I'm not okay. sure I could stomach anywhere else no, in the UK enough. other than maybe Bristol but I'm not sure I think we've got a nicer coastline here I'd be open to ideas, somewhere warm, somewhere that's maybe culturally vibrant, that's quite open-minded, where there's good food and drink, but that could be quite problematic post-Brexit. Yeah, it's harder to get anywhere (laughs) nowadays, isn't it? And final question, if you could earn the same doing any job, what would you do? Any job. Any job in the world. But your financial situation would not change. Maybe to write then. And edit, like edit books, stories, compilations of poetry, but also on the, on a, a completely different note. I've got this rom- romantic notion of being um, a lifeguard. I think it's a childhood thing. I don't know. I love swimming, and I'm quite vigilant, and I'm always looking out to see if people are okay on the water. So I'm sensing a, a caring attitude, but also a lot of Baywatch when you're. <laughs> yes. Blame the Baywatch. Blame Baywatch. Yeah. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at NEO at weareneo.com. And if you're interested in working alongside people like Kelly and myself, then head to theskiff.org. And don't forget to subscribe to Tales from the Engine Room, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>